Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Okay, let's say Yamamoto and the Mets don't come to an agreement. Let's say it's not the best fit for either side. Where do the Mets pivot if they don't land him? Well, I don't expect them to necessarily look to another frontline starting pitcher, actually. Because for me, and from what I've heard, my reporting has led me to think that Yamamoto is not just a priority, he is the priority for the New York Mets. And rightfully so. And I think it's smart what they're doing. They're basically saying... Let's have a focused approach here this offseason. Let's target the guy who we want to target, and let's go as hard as possible after him. And that's what they've demonstrated with Yamamoto. So if they don't get him, I'd expect the offseason for the Mets to kind of play out the way it has, which is very different, or different at least I should say, than the last two offseasons for the Mets. So I'd expect them more so to look at starting pitchers on one-year, two-year deals, look for other uh, some possible help at like say third base or in the outfield maybe a little bit at dh further solidify their bullpen situation but certainly for me and my reporting it's led me to think that Yamamoto is the frontline guy they're looking for and i don't necessarily expect them to pivot to say a blake schnell or jordan montgomery if they don't in fact get him It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Thursday, December the 21st, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can show up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram. Talking Mets No G, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network as well as RisingApple.com. Well, here I am. I come to you on this Thursday, just a few days before Christmas, and unless uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto signs, uh, this will be the last time we'll talk before Christmas. I will talk to you before New Year. I'm almost positive. I mean, even if Yamamoto doesn't sign, something's going to come up. Something's going to come up about this dopey process that's going to... Uh, have me come to you. Of course, there's the newsletter. I always tell you that. Talking Mets No G, Beyond the Mic, Substack.com, slash at Talking Mets No G. Couldn't be happier with the response. I tell you all the time, free trials galore for you to check it out, and hopefully you stay, and uh, I wish you do. If you if you have, I hope you do, not wish, hope you do. And recently, I actually uh, 
wrote a piece about Francisco Alvarez and a pre-arbitration extension, so you can check that out. But so there'll be beyond the mic interactions. There'll there'll be a show. I, I'm pretty sure. But I wanted to come and kind of recap where we're at. Uh, no, I'm not doing a, and this is a State of the Union show. It's a one-parter, my friends, so that's the way it is. Uh, no, I'm not coming and going to give you 30 minutes on Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor, all right, for Coleman Crow. Uh, you might have other podcasts that'll do that. I don't know if I could do that. I'll succinctly summarize that. Interesting trade, and I think, uh, to start there, because the real point of this is Yamamoto, and why I think the more I read about what's going on. I think the Mets have a really good shot at getting this thing done. Uh, I'm not predicting that they that he's going to be going to the Mets. I think they have a really good shot. I think they have it has been underreported how good of a shot they have and and I'll tell you that in a minute. But let's talk quick. You know, the Mets now have a 40-man roster up at 38. Coleman Crow who is uh one of the pieces they acquired for Eduardo Escobar, Billy Epler acquired for Eduardo Escobar. The Mets were able to flip a Tommy John lottery ticket pitcher who made his profile as a middle reliever for two very useful pieces. Adrian Hauser, uh, a fifth, sixth starter type, described to me by somebody in the sport as, uh, you know, very similar to Trevor Williams, uh, who was a very useful piece for the Mets back in 2022. Tyrone Taylor, that's your outfielder. That's your right-hitting outfielder with power and defense, plays all three spots, great arm, good speed. It's uh, funny because as you're looking at a lot of the stat cast measures on Taylor, it's like, well, he runs like Tim LaCastro. Well, that's good. And he has an arm like Starling Marte. That's good. And he's got some really good pop and and power. You know, he may not hit for a high average. You get on base a hell of a lot and does strike out a lot. Uh, former, I think he was one of the former top prospects in the Milwaukee system at one point. I think he was maybe even number one. And, and he's had some, and these toolsy guys, and and uh, you see this a little bit. The Mets signed Trace Thompson, Clay Thompson's brother, Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors, Michael Thompson's son, formerly of the Los Angeles Lakers, the the great Lakers dynasty, Showtime dynasty. These toolsy type of prospects, they take so long sometimes to really put it all together because they got all these great athletic skills. I mean, Taylor was a, a running back in high school, but sometimes because the way baseball is, because it's so hard to hit this little ball. It's so hard that just because you're athletic and just because you have all these tools doesn't mean that you be you put them all together and you become this great product. It takes time. There's so much between the ears, so much confidence, so much. I mean, it is. I mean, I think they say golf, and I I can't golf. I mean, I think I've said this on the show before. I, I the few times I've golfed at, at some corporate events. I mean, I think I did an eagle on like the first hole at one event, and I was like, ah, this is easy. I, I can do. And I was horrible the rest of the day. I mean, golf is hard, and the ball is sitting there, literally, on a tee, and it's hard. This, the ball is not sitting on a tee. It's being thrown at you at insane velocities, velocities that you shouldn't be driving at. And you have basically a blink of an eye, literally, maybe less, to make a decision on whether to swing or not. And it doesn't matter how big, how cut, how strong, how fast you are. Uh, it's not easy. So guys like Taylor will constantly get opportunities. The Mets are valuing, it looks like, a lot of these type of athletic tools. Trace Thompson is another example. And uh, I don't know if he's going to play every day. He's profiled with Milwaukee as a guy that gets about 250 at-bats. Stearns clearly knows him. And maybe that 
all these tools at the age as he gets, you know, into his late 20s, into his 30s here. Uh, perhaps now there's a feeling that he's ready to bring it all together. Stearns knows him really well. So, you know, this is where you're at. Uh, Stearns had talked about being opportunistic. He talked about that back at the GM meetings. This is an opportunistic trade. Milwaukee's looking to shed payroll. Uh, the market is hot. I mean, Michael Taylor, who I didn't mind Michael Taylor because he hit left-handed pitching at a very high level, but he profiled a lot like what the Mets have tried to do with Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback, take a, in this case, a really good defensive center fielder, but only somebody who hits acceptably against left-handed pitching, which is the minority of what you're going to face throughout a season. I mean, he's a very bad hitter against right-handed pitching. Uh, but he played for a championship team, and he's a component player, and he and he knows how to pick it. And, you know, they said, look, that kind of guy is is probably going to get $10 million in this market. Uh, Kyle Gibson, league average pitchers. Hauser's probably a little bit better. They're getting $15, 60000000 million. We talked about this on Sunday. Michael Waka getting a two-year deal worth $32 million, $60 million a year. I know there's a player opt-out or something like that, but... It's crazy, or club options, something along those lines. It's crazy. So Hauser's on the last year of his uh, arbitration years. He's probably going to make about six million for the kind of performance. You know, twenty to twenty-four starts. You know, about league average. Keep you in a ball game. Five innings, two runs. Five innings, three runs. Uh, you could swing uh, out of the bullpen. And if they're going to sign Yamamoto, and 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 don't be surprised that this move, which you can't, I'm not sitting here saying the reason they got Adrian Hauser is is, is a sign that they, they're going to get Yamamoto. But they're going to feel good about it because they're going to need six starters. They need it, and they're going to still probably, and that's that's part of what I believe the pitch might have been to Yamamoto is, hey, we know how to space you guys out and transition you from NPB to MLB. We did it with Senga. No offense to Senga. Senga was 30 much more ingrained in his habits, not at the same level in terms of uh, projections as Yamamoto. And away you go. So uh, there's a lot to like about this move. I'm not here to say David Stearns is a genius. This is what you paid him all this money to do. Go out and get value, assess his organization. Coleman Crow is literally, and, and I'm going to start using this because I think it, it, a couple people said it's made them laugh. These are these are $1 scratch-offs. Sometimes you could really win a lot of money on those things. And maybe in three years, he recovers from Tommy John. He's in Milwaukee, and the, the Brewers are coming to City Field, and this guy comes out of the bullpen throwing 95, and you're like, ah, the Mets had that guy. Couldn't they have held on to him? Well, you know, right now, in order to field a team and field a team with some kind of acceptable payroll where you're not paying everybody uh, a, a trillion dollars, you know, to do whatever they do. You have to sometimes give something to get something. And when shedding payroll, basically Matt Arnold and the Brewers wanted a $1 uh, scratch-off ticket because they think that $1 could turn into 10 or 15 or 20 or maybe more. Who knows? Who knows what kind of scratch-off? You go to the, you know, if you've ever been in the gas station, you're behind somebody who does like really like a hardcore lottery person. They're very annoying. I mean, they, they do the numbers in the morning, the midday, the evening, and if they get it wrong and the poor guy behind the counter gets it wrong, they get flipped out. But once you print out the ticket, they can't undo it. And then they're looking at the scratch-offs, give me three of this, two of this, and it, the money comes out really, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a small fortune sometimes they, they spend. And the likelihood is that you're going to lose all of it. And uh, I, think, 
I think the value of Tyrone Taylor and Hauser, Adrian Hauser, for Stearns is a lot better than if I went to the Speedway up the road and bothered the guy behind the counter for 52 different scratch-off uh, tickets. So, good move. Mets, uh, 40 mans up to 38. A couple of more spots. I know they're holding one spot. You heard Will Salmon on the way in. It's really the priority Yamamoto. Now, uh, I'll say this as we go to the Yamamoto. And I, and I feel here on this day, we're just a few days before Christmas, I feel good about the Mets' chances. I'm not calling them the favorite. I don't think you should call anybody the favorite. I think before, well, let me start here. The hot stove is not really fun anymore. And I don't think it's because of just what happened last year with Correa and and, and how long you know, the Otani thing started it. I think I can't criticize athletes and agents who are making life-changing business decisions, agents that are taking 5% of that money and are under a tremendous amount of pressure because of the competition in that business to do what's right for their clients. I can't criticize them for taking their time and for being thorough, especially a guy who's coming from one country to another, elite talent, very well the contract could extend into a decade. It might be the only big contract he gets in his lifetime. They have to take their time. But the business of baseball, because and, and it's just, it is what it is. And maybe this is what's going to happen because of money and because the industry has exploded. It's, it's not me, you know, yelling at the clouds or getting off someone's lawn or anything like that. Because the money is so big, the decisions are so deliberate, it's so hard to build a club and to be affordable. These GMs are all just like the hitters, just like the pitchers, processing so much information that it's almost uh, paralysis through analysis and it takes so long for things to develop because the agents are trying to maximize their market, the, the teams are trying to leverage those markets, and they're trying to do you know multiple things at once, and there's 40-man roster crunch, and there's budgets, and there's you know the uh, bird in the hand versus two in the bush, whatever you want to call it, and it slows the offseason down to a complete crawl. And then you have the media, who has a job to do, and the job, especially the cottage industry, we've talked about this before, of rumor mill reporting, needs something because your editor or your boss is like, well, what's going on? Uh, you know, ESPN's tweeting stuff out and the New York Post is tweeting something out. And this, you know, blogger apparently has some good information and this, you know, website and where are you? And, and you really don't have anything. So what you do is you regurgitate or you call a buddy in the business who knows someone who knows someone. And it's not a lie or poorly sourced information. It's a source situation that says, well, you know, I know guys like Yamamoto and I've been around his agent and this is kind of what they talked about back in July, what they're looking for. So there you go. And then you say, well, you know, this is what's up. And it's not a lie and you word it and the word salad behind it protects you from getting in trouble, but it really doesn't contribute positively towards the conversation. And I think the fan bases, and this is maybe more of a Mets fan thing, but I think the Yankees fan base as well is is starting to get frustrated. It's like you're sitting, waiting for dinner on the holidays. You're starving. And, you know, the cook is saying, hey, another five minutes, another 10 minutes. Well, eh, I need another 30 minutes. It's still not still not ready. And you're like, I'm starving, please. Enough. And and that's where we're at. And the hot stove isn't fun anymore. It used to be fun. And you know what's really fun 
is the NBA offseason because it's and that's a sport where you have a salary cap. It's truly the ultimate musical chairs. They've clamped down a little bit on it, but there used to be so much tampering pre uh, July 1st when you were able to actually talk to players. There was all this. I mean, deals were being done at 1201. uh you know, when the free agency opened and it was like, okay, how did that happen in 60 seconds? You know how it happened. They, they were talking before. So, you know, the NBA clamped down a little bit with that, but they get things done relatively quick. Now, sometimes things drag out, free agencies drag out and, and they, you know, they want to do their tours and everything, but it's really this off season and Otani who uh, seemed to address it and, and apologize for how long it took. And now Yamamoto, they have, and, and they are really the two, uh, big fish that need to get off the board before everybody else really could get their piece of the pie. I mean, Blake Snell's not going to sign because if he signs now, maybe someone says, hey, I'll give you this deal right now if you want to sign on the dotted line. He knows it's going to be undervalued, that there'll be more money, there'll be more teams with uh, uh, openings because Yamamoto can only sign with one team. So um, it, it really has taken the hot stove and dampened it. Now, is this just what's happening now? Is it on the the piggybacking on what the whole Korea thing turned into, which was very annoying. And that that was more about medicals. And there was nothing anybody could do. Because he signed well before Christmas. He signed twice. He signed once with the Giants, once with the Mets. So I think from a Mets perspective, we're now experiencing almost another Korea. And nobody has any time for it because we know where that where that went. And from a Mets fan perspective, they've been on a 12-month losing streak. The Korea losing streak the Diaz losing streak, the 2023 season losing streak, Juan Soto going to the Yankees, even though that was never really even a possibility that the Mets, the what the, the Padres were looking for, could afford, even if they had it right now, to give that. I mean, think about the arms the Yankees gave up, even if one or two of them turn out to be decent, not, you know, elite one-two. Uh, look how much the cost of pitching that the Mets are going out and, and, and you know, Adrian Hauser is somebody that, you know, really could provide a lot of value versus the price because of the cost of pitching. Look at what San Diego, why San Diego did what they did, and look at why the Mets giving up three, four arms, especially when your farm system lacks depth. Uh, that's uh, that's like putting, you know, it's like going to uh, the betting parlor and, and putting your mortgage down in your house on, uh, you know, on Monday night's Eagles game and... Uh, you had the Eagles, and you know what happened there, you know? So uh, it, it's it's a tough situation. There's been a losing streak for a while. So that brings me to Yamamoto. So how do I feel here on this, the 21st of December? And I'm going to put all the garbage in the BS and all the nonsense that you have out there. Off the bat, I'm going to say this. Number one, I don't think the Dodgers the Yankees are the prohibitive favorites. I think... They believe that because they have this history, recent history, long-term history, and stuffiness that, an arrogance that they've earned in some ways that makes them believe that. I think the Mets and the Giants have every bit of a reason to be hopeful, especially if Jim Bowden is correct that they'll be up there as the highest bidders. Uh, It seems like the Blue Jays have been or were in on Otani and are serious, and they have uh, big corporate money there. The Red Sox, you know, everybody forgets about them. You know, they may be the, a, a big little city, but they have a pretty darn... And actually, when you talk about the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, take the Mets and the Giants out of it for a minute. The Red Sox have a better recent 
championship pedigree than all of them. FYI, all of them. That's the team, you know, if I'm sitting back and I'm in the Mets front office, I'm like, hey, if Yamamoto really wants history, tradition, excellence, and he doesn't even have to deal with the nonsense, the big city nonsense of L.A. and New York, that's the Red Sox. You could even argue the Giants, because the Giants have a better championship history than those two teams in the last two decades. Now, you want to say, well, the Giants have a little bit more of a black mark because there's been some talk about all the things that are going on in San Francisco and and living in that city. You know, these guys don't have to live in San Francisco. They can live outside of San Francisco in the suburbs. Um, and they're not going to live in these places in the offseason. I'm sure he's going to go back to Japan. But, you know, that's that's something to be in consideration. And then, you look, you have the Phillies. They're a dark horse. Um, you know, dangerous team. You know, it be interesting if they sign Yamamoto. What does that mean for Zach Wheeler's future? Because he's a free agent next year. And, and so on. So, I think the Mets are right there with everybody else. You know, there's really nothing to uh, uh, to downplay them. Now, apparently Bowden is friends with Joel Wolf. So, I don't know what... If this information he's given, is it good? Is it bad? Is it speculative? But I've heard people say that he's gone on different programs saying that he's, you know, he's the, uh, he's friends with Joel Wolf. So maybe this is coming direct from the horse's mouth. Dodgers, Yankees are the favorites. You know, is it because he went in Yamamoto and said, I want to play for a iconic franchise. The team he played for in Japan, from what I understand, is more of a Chicago White Sox, second little brother or little team. He wants to be on the big fish. He's a big fish player. He wants to be on a big fish team. They expect the Mets and the Giants to be the high bidders. Is that coming from the agent? Did he get that feeling during his uh, interactions with those clubs? And then, you know, there's always that, hey, let's take a look and see what's out there with Toronto, Philadelphia, and the Red Sox. A couple of conflicting reports. Will this drag out to January 4th? Will it be done this week? Here's why. It will drag out to January 4th because nothing will be official, even if he signed today. I mean, it's possible by the time this goes to, you know, Apple— and you guys hear it, he's already off the market. Maybe he's a bet, maybe he's not. But it will because it won't be official. You'll hear something maybe on, and here's what's going to happen. It's, it's Murphy's Law. You're going to be sitting down to Christmas Eve dinner or Christmas Day dinner, and this is going to break, and everyone's going to be talking about it. And all the content creators, because I won't do this. You'll have to wait at least till after Christmas. All the content creators will run to give their 30-second opinion. And you better make sure that it's not some fake account because I, that'll be the other thing. Some somebody will take a Jeff Passan account, you know, change a word, uh, take his photo, and then everybody's going to freak out, and that's the end of it. So, um, you know, everybody's saying it's only going to be a two hundred and fifty to three hundred million dollar contract. I don't know about that. I understand there's the posting fee, but here's where you know maybe Bowden does know something. Jim Bowden, former GM, Sirius XM Radio. What's more important, offer or team situation, and. All those teams, I think, whether you're the Dodgers who are in a better position now and who knows where they'll be in three years, and let's face it, you know, they have some stars, but it's not the NBA. Two players or three players can't win you a championship every year in baseball. Uh, the Mets, the Giants, the Red Sox, Phillies, the Blue Jays, all these, they all have the opportunity over a decade or even a seven-year contract to provide Yamamoto if they've articulated their vision and how they're going to do that, which I'm sure they all did, to be with an upper echelon club. He's part of the solution with each of those teams. If he is who he 
has projected from MPB to be the reason why they may be an upper echelon, upper echelon club. You need elite pitching. The Mets built the 2022 Mets on aging, but two Cy Young arms in Scherzer and DeGrom because they knew not everybody could get in a short series those kind of arms, you know, twice. And if the Mets don't sign Yamamoto, those arms are not going to be readily available. They're not going to be easy to acquire because I don't know if they have them in their system. Because the next time they're going to have an opportunity, if they don't, somebody doesn't come out on the trade market, is next offseason when Max Scherzer's back on the market. I don't think he's an elite arm anymore. Chris Sale, he's done. Zach Wheeler, okay. Patrick Corbin, been there. You know, that, that ship has sailed. Robbie Ray, if he opts out, I don't know. He hasn't really, I mean, we'll see what this year brings. He's been hurt. Charlie Morton, over the hill. Uh, you go back to the Jack Flaherty's and the Kyle Hendricks and Michael Waka. You know, maybe uh, uh, Corbin Burns. You know, you got Andrew Haney and Ross Stripling. It's the same offseason as this. You've got a lot of guys who are going to get a lot of money who are probably back in the rotation starters. The impact guys are few and far between. You know, Zach Wheeler's probably going to get paid. Probably going to get $40 million a year. Maybe not for a long-term contract. Maybe only three years because he's in his mid-30s. But... He's going to get paid. So, you know, Yamamoto is going to be a big reason if the, why these teams are going to be competitive. And it doesn't matter their history. Babe Ruth's not going to save the Yankees now. Thurman Munson doesn't mean anything in 2024, in, in July, in the dog days of August. Big Poppy, don't play for the Red Sox anymore. It's all cool. It's all good in the offseason. It's all fun. You know, you want to be, you know, Yamamoto wants to be there for Old Timers Day in August at Yankee, Yankee Stadium and be part of it. Okay, I get it. It's not, it, maybe it's more than just about baseball. I get that. But I keep hearing, like, the, it's about what the team is, what the resources they have, the plan. The history is just a good opening act. And the Mets don't have, and if this, and, and it'll probably be reported if he signs the Yankees or Dodgers that that was the, the deciding factor, and and maybe it is, but I got to tell you, if it was that easy, he could probably get paid and have signed already with either of those clubs. You don't think he came to the Yankees the other day and said, look, Cohen and I just had dinner. This is what you got to do, and I won't leave without becoming a Yankee. He would have done that. He could have done that in L.A. You know, how much more? They, they know that Cohen's lurking. All you have to do is go in the meeting and goes, look, you you blow me away now. He's yours. They didn't do that. They're really trying to be deliberate here because I don't think he really, I think he might be conflicted. I think everybody offers something different. And this idea that only the Dodgers and the Yankees could offer something to a big free agent because of you know, history that... Some of these guys don't even know about because it was so far. I mean, some of these guys at their age now were not around when Buck Showalter. They weren't even on this planet when Buck Showalter took over as manager of the Yankees. I mean, they don't know Billy Martin if he fell on them. And for you to think, and this is where it's crazy, because if it turns out to be between 250 and 300 after all this pomp and circumstance of this tour... I got to think, doing this tour and dragging this out and all these visits, this is going to go well north of that. And if that's where everybody's ha- hanging out, and, and I mean, Cohen could blow that away. Now, what does that tell you if it falls into that? Is there a certain amount of collusion? 
Are they basically say, hey, guys, we don't want to set a precedent here with a Japanese import where he's getting a $400 million contract. To me, if I'm Cohen, at this point, you heard what Will Salmon said. This is, they want this guy bad. They need an anchor at the top of the rotation in his prime. This is not 40-year-old Max Scherzer. This is not 35-year-old Zach Wheeler next year. This is not any of those guys. This is not the end of the career, guys. This is in prime, in prime player that you could get at 25. You're projecting a lot at, you know, who he'll be. But, I mean, to put it in context, when Scherzer signed with the Nats, and that was a great contract, he was 30 years old. This guy is five years younger. So, you know, you're going to skimp on that? You know, you go out, and here's a big key. You go out, and you're Cohen. You've gone to Japan and met his family. You've invited him to dinner. And I hear, oh, well, the dinner went well. The dinner didn't go well. To even report that, I'd love to know who the source is that said that. Were you there? Were you there? And the people are like, well, we went to see the Yankees hastily after the dinner. It must not have went well. Well, you know, guys, you're making stuff up. You're speculating. You're trying to turn this into a reality series. A Netflix reality series or something, or a Netflix drama. You know? He went there, he invited them to his his home. You know, uh, I think the Mets have uh, a plan in place with the with this lab, and Hefner's been around a while and is a respected pitching coach. They have the Singa connection, which may or may not mean much, but at least if it doesn't mean in terms of a connection, they have a, a, a blueprint of what they could do for a player coming from that league in that country, which know will help and i think if that's where the money is falling 300 million cohen could blow that away by 100 and here's the ultimate thing i think you got to really remember why this will come down to the money and nobody's talking about this and remember this the japanese people are very nationalistic prideful people anybody who's done business with them knows that and he's walking away from his club but his club's going to get a payday. They're going to get the posting fee. And I've, you know, and I try to figure out how this goes. So here's what I have. I mean, and, and you know, apparently any contract worth 50 million or more which he's going to get, uh, you it's a it's 9.275 million for posting plus 15% of the amount over 50 million. So every 100 million is going to be another 15 million dollars in the pockets uh of the Oryx Buffaloes. Where he, where he played. And that would be a nice parting gift by Yamamoto to give to his club the record-setting posting fee on the way out the door. And it would help them, I'm sure, recover from losing him. And do you not think that that is something that he would want to do? I mean, it's $15 million. It's a, it's a good amount of money. I don't think it's like, well, they're, you know... And maybe I'm misreading this because I don't know enough. You know, this is really a question for our friend, uh, Japanese baseball friend, Jim Allen. But to me, that would be something that would make a difference. So if I'm Cohen, you know how you get this guy? You're already down the rabbit hole. You already see the crystal ball. You don't know what your young pitchers are. You you have the free agent market that has a mid-30s Zach Wheeler and, uh, you know, Corbin Burns, who, you know, may or may not be a guy that will break down going forward. And and you don't know who's going to become available. That's elite, top of the rotation. You're staring down the barrel of a team that's going to be a rotation of 
you know, Senga uh, for the next couple of years who, you know, might be like Al Leiter was for those late, late 90s Mets, a very good number two, but miscast as an ace. Those held, that's one of the issues with those 1999-2000 Mets teams. They really didn't have that, you know, Hampton was for that one year, but they always seemed to have Leiter, who was a bulldog, but was really a guy that should have been a number two. And he was always a number one, and he pushed himself to be a number one. So you're staring down the barrel of that becoming your club again. And you could win with that. It's going to be hard. You could win with bullpen and better bats. But, you know, just go all in. Offer the guy $400 million over 10 or 12 years. You know, you want to give him an opt-out? I believe even with an opt-out, he's still going to get the post. The, the Buffaloes are still going to get the posting fee. So the gift is not going to go down. It's not like they have to pay it back. That's what you got to pay up front. And... You know, maybe you get three, four years out of him. Then he could get out and say, let me go somewhere else. I don't like New York. I don't like the Mets. But I think the posting fee and how big it will be could turn out to be a big difference. And that's why the most money might win. And look, the Giants put a bananas contract together for Correa last year. So you can't discount them. They apparently were in on Otani to the end. So, you know, this idea that it's the Yankees and Dodgers and the Yankees are staring, I just told you, down the barrel of a Cole opt-out. Uh, you know, they're going to have to, you know, Cole's looking at this money, and, and and I know he's got a big contract, but especially because you want to exceed the Cole contract to get this guy if you're the Mets. I don't think you could sell him on the Mets. I don't think you'd sell him anybody by being with everybody else in the bidding, or you're not going to do it if you're less. Now, the ultimate big question is, will he turn down that money? Because it's the Mets or New York. Uh, and I don't think he will. And if you're the Yankees, you know, you spend now and you try to go dollar for dollar with Cohen because you want to win this because of what happened in uh, last season and the Cashman press conference and because you're the Yankees and you don't want to lose to the Mets. That might have repercussions on Cole. And look, this is a risk for anybody who signs him. We have no idea who this guy is. He's really good in NPB. A scout told me yesterday he's on 70 on the uh, his what he saw with the videos he's a 70 on the on the scouting uh, grade 70 out of 80s you can't get much better than that next is perfect and it's a guy that don't throw accolades around easily it's not like he all of a sudden you know he doesn't buy into the the Twitter hype or the driveline hype he's a guy that actually says hey that that's BS so there's something there. And this is going to be a really interesting few days leading into Christmas. It literally could change the whole dynamic of the Mets 2024 and the next decade of Mets baseball. Now, all is not lost if they don't get him. You know, they're still going to try to build a team now and in the future. It's a different team, and I think getting an ace might be tougher. Obviously, back to the drawing board with your prospects. Is any one of those guys going to develop into a top of the rotation piece? Is somebody going to become available? You know, I tell you, you know, going into uh, next offseason, I think Zach Wheeler's name is going to become frequently mentioned more and more. A reunion there might be something that potentially could be in play if they don't get Yamamoto. I don't understand why they wouldn't pivot, at least to a Montgomery. I don't want them to go to Snell. I don't today want to talk about Plan B because I, I don't think it's necessary. We have to focus on where the news is at. But the Mets have a shot at this. And you have the ultimate guy 
that knows how to recruit and win and has done it. He did it with Verlander. He did it with Scherzer. I know they lost that on Bauer. Bauer says it's because the front office leaked. I know that there's some, how shall I say, unfulfilled promises that maybe Cohen has made about how good the team is going to be. But you know the guy is going to spend money and be in on every big free agent, just like the Yankees and the Dodgers, and maybe more so because I'm not so sure the Yankees' appetite to spend with Hal is the same. I think it's more this year because, hey, I got an image problem. They got a lot of debt on that stadium. You know, the Dodgers, the Guggenheim group, you know, maybe they're doing this now, but they got a bill that's going to come out home in a decade. Maybe they're going to sell the team before. You know, at some point, everybody has their threshold. There's a lot of money already in those clubs. And Otani, you know, that's why he did what he did. But you still got to pay that eventually. So, you know, that's where you're at. So don't buy into this that it's the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets. You know, the Mets have been positioned as, you know, an afterthought. Maybe they've done that, the Mets. Maybe they've leaked that themselves. You don't know. To keep people at bay. Maybe it's the Yankees using their media contacts to try to, you know, sway things a certain way. Sway them left or sway them right. We don't know. So, So that's where we're at. You know, sit back, get your popcorn out, get ready for the holidays, get ready for New Year. Nothing we can do. If the Mets, and I know it's reported, have done the meeting in Japan, the meeting at the house, the highest bid or one of the highest bids right there, because maybe somebody else just says, we'll go right there. If If they do all those things and he doesn't want to play there, you can't be mad at David Stearns. You can't be mad at Cohen. It's back to the jury board and it's back to saying, okay, how do we change that where players want to come here? That would be the conversation after, not for today. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in for the latest edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Have a great holiday if you celebrate. Have a, I'm sure we'll talk before New Year, um, but enjoy the holidays. Take a deep breath. Try not to let this hot stove stuff get you. It's crazy times. The media drives you crazy. I know that. We've talked about it. Um, you can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can turn up a podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on the newsletter, substack.com slash at no G. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Side of Podcasting Network for supporting the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your holiday. Sit back for Yamamoto Watch. Till then, take care, everybody.